0: Hello, friends, and welcome to another episode of Solo BG Podcast. Like always, my name is Derek, and this is episode number 99. That's it. We are one away from episode 100, and it's all thanks to you, amazing listeners. For this episode, as you can read on the title, we have a very special one, of course, like always, and we brought a guest a solo gaming, a print-and-playing gaming, a unique character, a podcaster. Uh, You know him as well from Solosaurus. You know him as well from hashtag BlameMartinG, and you will hear me talking about him about that. And, of course, I'm talking about Martin Gonzalez. Martin Gonzalez will be here on the show. I will put you the audio in a little bit. This interview was recorded about two weeks ago, uh, or a week ago, better said. Uh, for the time that you're listening this, if you're listening on the release date, I guess. Um, and yeah, it's a very fun interview that we, we both talk about games. Uh, of course, we went over his top five uh, print and play games, which you will, of course, listen to it once the interview starts. And, and we talk about many other things, fantastic topics around the hobby, around the solo board gaming universe. We talk about copyright as well of our retheming games, so so please stay tuned because you will enjoy this episode uh, just as hopefully you enjoy this series of episodes that we did with different guests. And once again, we're gonna reach episode hundred with our last guest for this uh, series, and then we will continue to do reviews of Solo BG podcast. As as you know, you can find the podcast everywhere. And even in the Dice Tower Network now, because we're officially a part of the Dice Tower Network, as you listen on the previous episode during the announcement, the special episode number ninety-eight. Uh, we're a part of the Dice Tower Network right now. So you can go to the Dice Tower Network.com uh, or the Dice Tower.com, go under the podcast and you will find us there as well as many other fantastic podcasts that are they're on the community of Dice Tower. Uh, you can listen to us if you're listening to Spotify right now, for example. You can listen to iTunes, Amazon uh, Music, Google Play, wherever you want to listen, or and your different, in your favorite um, streaming service as well. If you want to support the show, not only by listening, you can always follow us in our social media, SoloBG Podcast, Instagram, Facebook, and Twitter. Every like, every following, every subscription matters a lot. So, So thank you for doing that. If you already did it, and if not, please... Support us in that way. If you want to get some cool games, you can go to kickstartedgames.com. That's kickstarted with edgames.com. And if you use the code SOLOBG altogether, you get um an amazing discount, uh, promo code. You get a you get a discount with that code, and also you get free shipping in the UA in the USA if you spend a hundred dollars off or more. So if you want to get 15% off from your total purchase. Well, use the code SOLOBG on Kickstarted Games with ED. That's kickstartedgames.com. And get yourself some cool games. And at the same time, you are supporting the show. So, with that being said, welcome to this episode with hashtag BlameMartinG. And I hope, we, I hope you enjoy it as much as, as I did. And I hope Martin did as well during the interviews. So, here is for all of you episode number 99 which by the way by the way you will listen uh you will listen to me saying that this is the episode number 98 as soon as the interview kicks in that's a lie this is episode 99 probably i was you know i don't know what was going on with me i wasn't drunk or anything i promise but this is episode number 99 no 98 from solo bg podcast with martin Gonzalez. and let's start like always in three two one
1: Welcome to Solo BG, your podcast for solo and cooperative board games. Here you will find everything you need to know about your favorite and most recent games, art,
0: rules, gameplays, and interviews. Here is your host, Derek Rodriguez. Hello, friends, and like I told you on the introduction, I'm very honored and very humbled that I am here on episode 98. Eight with my good friend Martin Gonzalez, which you know him very well because he started almost everything in the print and play universe, printing good stuff and bringing amazing table, amazing games to the table. You saw all the pictures all the time, and in, in especially on the Solo Board Gaming group. And now, of course, you can listen to him in Solo podcast, which is. Uh, One podcast that I actually love and actually as well got inspired from. So with that being said, Martin, how are you tonight?
2: Hey, Derek. uh, I am doing really well. I am very, very glad and honored to be here on uh, your podcast
0: uh-huh. And,
2: um, yeah, I'm, I'm looking forward to our conversation. I, I, You know, there's nothing I like more than talking about solo games. I know. And, play. Uh,
0: <laughs> you know. and and I, I always get excited when I get a notification on the Solo Board Gaming Group, which, by the way, guys, if you are not in that gaming group, and I know a lot of you are like, well, you know, I'd rather stay away from Facebook or I'd rather stay away from Instagram. Well, don't worry about it. But please do yourself a favor and go to Facebook uh, check out the Solo Board Gaming group because a lot of amazing people over there post uh, pictures of what they're playing, new suggestions, uh, you know, uh, new uh, updates on games, especially of course in solo games. But also you can see the con the constant very interesting uh, posts. that Martin Martin usually I call him Martin because of my Spanish, but Martin usually Martin. Uh, post post over there, uh, and he usually posting great pictures. And of course his big thing, like I mentioned before is the print and play. And let's start, Martin, you know, let's start with the episode as as I've been doing with the previous guests. Uh, we go with our, sure. your top five favorite games, but with you, we will do something unique and interesting. We're going to go over your print and plays. And then okay. we will have a bonus, which I will ask you at the end of the show. And of course, between those games, we're going to be talking about kickstarters talking about news uh talking about you know um your hobbies how do you start in the hobby conventions covid everything this is a a field where we talk about games but also we can talk about everything else or everything that surrounds the hobby so martin with that being said let's start with your number five my friend
2: Number five, and I want to clarify: Did you want to start with print and play games, or yeah. did you want to start with uh, solo games? No, let's oh, print
0: th- and play. Let's start okay. with your with, with your with your strength. You know the print and play because I feel like I feel like uh, most yeah. of most of the, most of your followers with they ha there's a famous hashtag over there. We're gonna talk about it later on the on the episode. The hashtag blame Martin G. Uh, uh, <laughs> 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 so uh, People uh, blame me. People yeah. like
2: to blame me for uh, making them spend money I know. on games hey. or or or. Uh, or print and play materials and supplies. <laughs> yeah,
0: you know it's like my, my wallet also already like hates you a lot, but you know, I but I, but, I, <laughs> but I like you a lot, so I don't care about what, whatever my wallet said. <laughs> Marty, let's start with your number five print and play.
2: Okay, great. So my number five print and play game it is a game called Rack Patrol. Okay, this is a game that is um, it is a submarine war game. Okay. Where you play, you, you, they put you in command of a U.S. Gato class submarine during World War II. And the amazing thing about this game is that it's basically a deck of cards, and you could totally play it in hand, just like uh, Palm Island, if you're familiar with that game. Yeah, um, yeah. But it gives you an experience of a much bigger game, and it uses very clever mechanisms um, on the printed on the cards to be able to resolve uh, what is the result of your current action uh, and also combat and also um, you know whether you're detected by destroyers by escorts by you know if you get a depth charge then if you get uh, if your submarine gets damaged I mean it's it's all uh, controlled by a single deck of cards about 60 cards or so so I uh, discovered this uh, when I was deeply doing research on different print-and-play games. And Mm -hmm. um, it's it's designed by a gentleman named Jeffrey Greer. And uh, the amazing thing about it is that each game, once you're familiar with the rules, takes about 10 to 15 minutes to play. And then you could actually uh, play it over and over again to simulate uh, different patrols. Uh, and you start in 1942, in World War II, and then you could go through 1943, 44. You could actually simulate your own campaign for your submarine. Nice. So it's kind of like, uh, yeah. So uh, there's a lot of gameplay in that uh, game called Rack Patrol, and the reason why it's called Rack Patrol is because um, if you are in the Navy, the, the bunk where you sleep is called a rack. So this gentleman, De- Jeffrey Greer, designed the game, to, for people to be able to actually play it while they were lying down in their rack uh, when they were resting, if they weren't on duty, uh, because he's a, you know, the gentleman is a he he served uh, in the in the armed forces. So um, yeah, rack patrol. And um, it, I, it, you know, after the show, I can send you the uh, the link, and then if you you know if you want to link it in the show notes or something like that. But that uh, and it's a very simple print and play build. Like I said, only about 60 cards. Now, of course, I say only because. Yeah. I've been doing this for a number of years, and uh, I, for me, making cards is already almost a um, routine, like a science. I've mm-hmm. developed my, I've, I've settled on my preferred technique. Um, but of course, I realize for people who are new to print and play, that might be a lot. You know, <laughs> some people might. But, and I apologize no, if you can no, hear no. my dogs barking in the, the background. The doggy, the doggy, <laughs> yeah. Yeah, we've got four dogs here, but anyway, that's my number five game, Rack Patrol, by designed by Jeffrey Greer.
0: Now we will post the link uh, on the on the notes of the podcast on the episode. I'm sorry. In that way, you can check it out. You can try to download it there. And now I'm wondering if this uh, if this game is also available in the Board Game Geek. I'm assuming the files, or you're not. You're... Yeah,
2: um, yeah, Rock Patrol does have a Board Game Geek entry. But it is not available in uh, uh, for sale as a physical copy. It is currently only available exclusively as a print and play, uh, downloadable from the website of the designer.
0: Okay. Okay. So there you go. You have two ways of finding the game: either by looking at it on the designer webpage or BoardGameGeek, or you can also check on these, uh, you know, on the footnotes of this episode. Now, Martin. Now that we're going to go into another subject, I want to know how did you start in the hobby? I want to know what was your origins in the hobby? How did you start it? And correct yeah. me if I'm wrong, but I believe you started with mostly print and plays, right? And then, and then actually, otherwise... Or tell the story.
2: Yeah, yeah, yeah. So um, I actually got into the hobby, modern tabletop games, pretty late. Um, mm-hmm. I started in the fall of 2017. And the one who got me into it was actually my oldest son. Um, you know, he would already—he he was already off, uh, moved out of the house, and he was living in—he's li- still living in L.A. Okay. And um, every time he would come to visit, he would bring a different game. He would bring munchkin, or he would bring—I forget some of the others that he brought—and um, then he would try to convince me to play. And you know, at the time, I was like, I, I. I I was never really into board games, per se. I was into role-playing games, but this was a long time ago. Like, when I was still in uh, school, you know, in uh, college, Mm -hmm. uh, I was into, like, Dungeons & Dragons and Call of Cthulhu and um, all that stuff. But, you know, after I started working, um, that all fell by the wayside. And so, anyway, my son was trying to convince me, and, you know, nothing really stuck. But then... One time, he brought a game called uh, Eldritch Horror.
1: Of course, and
2: um, yeah, you know, and uh, and it struck a chord in me because it reminded me of the Call of Cthulhu role playing games that I used to enjoy back when I was in in school. Uh-huh. And so I decided to try. I sat down. He set it up. It took a long time because, as you know, Eldritch yeah. Horror has a lot <laughs> of different cards and decks. Yeah, a lot of different scenario. Uh, you know. Uh, Encounter decks and all these things. Yeah, uh, and then we played. We played for the next six hours. Like we played a long time, and uh, we nearly won, actually. But you know, in the end, we were devoured. The world was devoured by Azatoth. I've actually <laughs> never won that game, <laughs> but um, but but that was my first experience, and it was very fun. It was very thrilling for me, and it brought back those memories from my past. And uh, it was a good time with my son, and so I decided. I'm going to look more into it, and then I started you know uh, trying to research more on my own I, I I discovered the Facebook board game groups I started with the dice tower uh board game spotlight, you know the usual suspects and then um I was, still wasn't a solo gamer yet at that time now it wasn't until the few months later, like january twenty eighteen that I discovered my first print and play game um because I I had been spending a lot of money on games. <laughs> and I'm like, I, I want to slow down, but I still want to, I want to slow down on the spending, but I still want to feed the game monster, the you know, the, the, yeah. the rapacious monster inside of us who wants more games all the time. <laughs> and so I looked at this print and play initially as some kind of uh, way to still feed that monster without having to spend money. Mm-hmm. Uh, as it turns out, print and play doesn't save you money if you really get into it. And we can talk about yeah, that we and, and actually, I have, a, yeah, a, so,
0: I have a, couple, a couple of questions about that too, but keep, keep going. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> yeah. So Go ahead. You, no, no, you were saying, no, I, I, want, I want to save those questions because for another section where we're going to talk about your print and plays and all your techniques and, and and, and I see, I have seen in some pictures and and actually some videos like the equipment that you have for the print and play, which I want to talk about it. Of course, what you were saying about, um, you know, you start to feed the hungry, hunger through the the print and play.
2: I I started uh, exploring different print and play games and I Mm -hmm. discovered through my research that there were all these um, geek lists on board game geek that, you know, uh, kept track of print-and-play games. I discovered there were print-and-play design contests, and there still are. Okay. In fact, the 2021 uh, Solitaire Game Design Contest, one of the biggest contests, is going on right now as we speak on Board Game Geek. There are... The, the contest started July one, and at this point we have over thirty entries, okay I think last year we had like eighty entries, which was insane mm-hmm. um, so it's a very vibrant community of designers making print and play solo solo games yeah um, but there are also other contests going on and so I just it was a huge uh, rabbit hole, and I dove in and I started exploring <laughs> and you know learning ways to make things and different trying different techniques failing horribly <laughs> a lot of my experimentation you know so um yeah so that's that's kind of a you know the a quick kind of a summary of of how i got involved in uh print and play and then as my kids got older and moved out and um or or they you know the the last one living with us he's an incoming senior in high school okay he doesn't really have time to uh, play games with his old man. He's more interested <laughs> with his girlfriend. Sure. You know, sure, so sure. stuff like that. So yeah. so, um, so by necessity, I, I evolved into a solo gamer because, you know, if I don't play solo, then I'm not going to play at all. And I want to play. So, yeah. you know, I, I kind of learned to adjust my expectations that way.
0: Now, before we jump into number four, I have a couple of questions for you. Uh, yeah. How do you enjoy... Uh, how do you enjoy more the adventures on the table solo or in a cooperative mode and this, the only thing i the only uh, reason why I'm asking this is because in our episode, I always after we take a look on a game at the end of the episode, I always you know say, "Do I rather play this game solo or cooperative and my of course my response will be depending on the game right if if the game okay. has some risk of alpha player or if their game feels better okay. as a solo or if it's more immersive as a solo more immersive cooperative et cetera et cetera. Uh, in, in your opinion, I mean, just, you know, give it a, as a glance, do you yeah. enjoy the adventures on cooperative slash solo games? Do you enjoy them more solo or do you tend to like it more cooperatively?
2: Yeah, that's a great question. Um, in general, I am a gamer who doesn't really like, uh, confrontation. I mm-hmm. don't like, uh, I, I guess the term is, uh, I'm more of a care bear type, sure. mm-hmm. <laughs> um, and uh, there are people like there are gamers who complain and they say, oh, you know, that game uh, is more like multiplayer solitaire and that they don't like it because I it know. doesn't have interaction. Mm-hmm. Uh, for me, I'm the type who I I don't really like interaction. <laughs> <laughs> I prefer the multiplayer solitaire um, and co-op games. Again, that's something in the in our hobby where you'll see quite frequently people. Like, you know, mainstream gamers, they're like, I don't even understand co-op games. I don't. Why? You know, there's no competition. Why? The, it's not yeah. exciting. And for me, I'm the opposite. I love co-op games, um, but I don't like alpha gamers. Yeah. Um, I'm the type who wants to make sure that everybody is contributing equally and having a good time and feeling that their voice is heard. So because I feel like that's the way that, you know, pe- you can ensure that people are having fun. Um. And I have been, I have experienced uh, multiplayer co-op games where there was alpha gaming going on, and I didn't like it. So it's, it's, uh, you know, it's. it's uh, I have had some not great multiplayer experiences. Let's just put it like that. Okay. And it was was another reason why I did, and also I also suffer from analysis paralysis, and I don't like the feeling that people are waiting for me to finish figuring out my turn, and whatever. Yeah. I like the. I like the idea of being able to spend as much time as I want. So these are the reasons why I, you know, gravitate towards solo. But that said, uh, what I'm discovering more fairly recently is that, you know, not all solo games are e- created equal. And uh, I've become a lot more selective about what solo games I will actually enjoy or get back to the table repeatedly.
1: Mm-hmm.
2: And I'm becoming at this point, about almost five years in the hobby now, I, I've I've uh, I've got over you know 400 games behind me right now which you can't see because yeah. of this green screen. But um, <laughs> <laughs> uh, a lot of them I wouldn't play again. You know, um, uh, you know, uh, in Spanish we have a saying called "hambre de vista." Yeah. Are you familiar with this saying? Yeah, yeah. yeah. yeah, yeah. So <laughs> earlier in my in my board gaming hobby, I had hambre de vista for games I just went buy everything I wanted I wanted it. it sounds cool yeah and now i'm I'm more like um there's I'm figuring out I'm finally figuring out that there's just a few that I really really love and then there's others which are like, yeah, you were good for one or two plays, but I don't know I'm gonna go back to you so that's kind of <laughs> like where I am with the hobby but to, just a long-winded way of answering your question um, i I'm pr- pretty much a solo gamer okay. you know I'm a, that's it
0: yeah. We will go with solo. Now, um, where you were saying, are you do you think here's the thing. Do you the way that you that it took you to a solo gaming to the solo gaming universe is very unique? You were telling us a story, you know, with your kid, he came back with games, you were trying to play, then you discover games by yourself? Now, do you think that if the, the story was changed and you would have discovered solo games back in two thousand, I don't know, 12, 13, will you still be enjoying it, or you think it was the perfect timing you know, because in life and everything else, for you to actually enjoy the hobby as much as you do right now?
2: That's another great question. Um I've tried to play games and, and I'm gonna get flack for saying this. Sure. I've tried to play like uh co op and solo games from many years ago. a mm-hmm. uh, good example. There was a there's a there's a Lord of the Rings game that was designed by Rainer Kinesia. Yeah. Um and it was from 2001, mm-hmm. and it's credited with being the very first co-op game. And I was very excited because another aspect of my involvement in the hobby is before pandemic, I like to go to thrift stores and I like to look for bargain games. Okay. Um, and so I was very excited because I actually found a copy of this and the Sauron expansion at a thrift store for like five bucks. And I'm like, wow, this is great, you know? <laughs> yeah. And then I was very excited to get it home, and then I tried it out. Uh, and, and I'm, and I got bored out of my mind, you know? So, um, because I was like, I'd rather just play pandemic. You you know what I mean? Like, uh, I think that there has, there's really been an evolution of, uh, co-op game mechanisms and design trends over the years. And once you've gotten used to, let's say post Matt Leacock's pandemic and all the other, you know, solo co-op games that. Yeah. Flowed from that point, it's hard to go back to games from before then. You know what yeah. I mean? No, and and that's um, that's why I was asking yeah. this
0: question because, I mean, the the source of this is that I wanted to get there where you where you are right now, which is the difference in the modern solo gamers and the and the and the modern solo board games than before. Like now, it's even strange, and for me, it's kind of dumb in a marketing way, in a marketing aspect. Right now, that I'm doing a master's degree on business and health administration. And I, I, and the, and the uh-huh. business side, I see that, you know, in this case, in the hobby, um, if you put a Kickstarter out there, which is the main source of spending money right now for board games, uh, if you don't right. put a solo mode or if you, include, if you don't include a solo mode, then you're losing a huge bunch of market right now. Before, we were just a little, uh, we were the weird ones that played solo. I yeah. feel like, like even a, even before, I don't know if COVID actually helped or even. But I would mm-hmm. dare to say, like even before that, I started in the hobby in 2016, playing, uh, X-Wing the miniature game, and no, not too long after that, I started to play solo, and I definitely witnessed that conversion of gamers from being once again the weird ones back on 2016, 17, and then you can start, you start to see the 18, like how. The niche started to grow and grow and expand, expand, expand. And now there's a lot a lot of us, which is great. A lot of us that are there, you know, always looking for the new games and, and checking pictures and new designs. And now you even have, like, some masterminds behind it. Like, like when people, when solo gamers, when we see a David tercy game on Kickstarter, we tend to be like, yeah, I, I know that. I don't know anything about the game, but I know it's kind of like a guarantee that it will have a great solo mode. Even... Right. If David doesn't play solo, like he was telling me on the last interview, which it was weird for me, he was saying like I don't play solo at all. And I designed the solo games in theory, so I never do the practice. And I was like, What man? I mean, because people see you as the you know, see him as the mastermind behind these kind of games. Right. But I think we are growing as a community, which is great. Uh, and I think that also helps the hobby a lot. Anyway, let's keep talking about good stuff and let's jump into your number four print and play best solo games ever
2: okay uh, so number four for me is a game called mini rogue okay uh, this game is so the rogue stands for roguelike and so this is a nine card roguelike dungeon crawl game with four levels and um, it's a very it's a very clever design because it just uses nine cards okay um, and you uh, set them out in a particular configuration and And then you take a path through these nine cards that represents each level of the dungeon. And then, you know, so you could flip over a card and it's maybe it's a market. Maybe it's a a vendor, you know, a a seller, or maybe it's um, a monster, or maybe it's a place where you can rest. You know, so there is a there's there's variability and there is kind of uh, it's a smart use of randomness uh, in just these nine cards. And then when you get to the last card, that's going to be the level boss. And um, then you get to, you know, you fight it. Mm-hmm. Uh, you have some, you know, weapons. You have, you know, as you might expect, you've got the spells. You've got, um, uh, you can heal yourself and these types of things. So it's a very basic uh, dungeon crawl. But mm-hmm. the fact that it's only nine cards is, uh, is a really clever design uh, from, from my perspective. I've actually only won it once. Um, this is a very hard game. Which Another thing that we solo gamers like is super challenging exactly. and lots of replay value, right? Yeah. Um, and uh, I actually got super lucky. I actually fell into a pit twice. So I fell from level one to level three, and I bypassed level two. And then on level three, I fell into another pit. And I fell right <laughs> to the, the the boss level, and then I fought the boss and I had nothing. I I I was going to be dead, but I got really lucky rolls. The uh, the equivalent of of rolling d20 three times. What critical hits? <laughs> and uh, and I actually I actually defeated the final boss. I got you know like I said, really lucky. It was a great it was a great thrill. I never played it again after that because um, I don't want to spoil my record. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> but
0: yeah. But that's so. That's uh, yeah. What you were the king yeah, of the rogue, king uh, the yeah. king of the pit i, <laughs> I guess <laughs>
2: <laughs> but um you know one of the really great um advantages of print and play games is that you can really get surprised and amazed with how the depth of the experience that you can get from somebody who figures out i'm going to just how, how do you make a really satisfying dungeon crawl experience in just nine cards and these are some of the things that i I don't think you could see you know in a Kickstarter uh, you know in most Kickstarters with hundreds of cards and miniatures and whatever and you know branching mm-hmm. campaigns and whatever yeah. so yeah I that's the some, some of the things that I like about it, so that was mini rogue, and I'm sorry I can't recall the name of the designer right now
0: <laughs> mini rogue anyway uh, now do you know where where the people can find the files once again I know if you if you're able you're going to send me yes. the links. And we'll put it there. But yes. besides the, the footnotes on the podcast, uh, do you know if they can find the files on, on the BGG? Or or if, you just, or if they just yes. Google it, probably they will be able to find it.
2: It is on BGG. W- every every print and play game that I'm going to mention in this show is on BGG.
0: There you go. There you have it. Now, the, with the mechanics that you were mentioning, it reminds me... Now, this is not a solo game. I know there's a solo mode, fan mode, which also there's some fan modes that, you know, sometimes are very very well developed and very well done. It reminds me of Res Arcana, you know, where... I don't know if you have played Res Arcana or not uh, by Tom Lehman. Uh, But anyway, you also have, like, just, like, a very small uh, deck of cards uh, that you're going to, you know, basically draft during the game. And then you're going to end it up just with, like... I remember, I think it's, like, a deck of ten cards. And that's it for the whole game. And you're doing, like, an angel building mechanic with that. But it's always very clever when games, as you're mentioning in this case... Use just a few components, and they can still develop a mechanic uh, that brings immersiveness to the game, replayability, you know, that uh, attracts us to keep playing. Now, going to another subject, we were talking about, uh, you know, the amount of games that you own. Now, for me, Martin, (laughs) I'm a very audiovisual gamer. What I'm trying to say is that, of course, the game has to be fun. Of course, the game has to be challenged. Uh, or has to challenge you. I like to die a lot in games because that also gives me some sort of uh, crazy satisfaction. Uh, but, mm-hmm. um, you know, I'm a very audiovisual person. When when I play my games, and we will talk about this, one of my rituals are like to play the soundtrack of whatever type of game I'm playing. For example, mm-hmm. Nemesis. I just I just got my Kickstarter and I'm like, for me right nice. now, Nemesis is the number one game ever, ever. I don't have any... Any doubt of saying it. Nemesis is my number one at this moment of game. But, for example, I play the Alien soundtrack, uh, you know, behind on, on my game room. Uh, and, and I just let myself go. I dim the lights a little bit and, and, you know, create that immersive experience. Where I'm going with this is that we were talking about space. You, were all, you said that you own more than 400 games. I think I'm around the same yeah. numbers. And honestly, I don't know where to start. The games because I don't have any space at all anymore. Like I, no I, problem. yeah, I have a lot of games that are for are for sale on the Indianapolis Board Gaming Group because that's where I live and it's easier for me to deliver those games locally. Um, but anyway, uh, with that being said, going back to the the convenience of printing and play that you save space, of course. Second, you save money, which is good. Uh, third one, if you want to take another advantage, will be I guess that you start to handcraft something because you're printing, you're scissoring, you're cutting, which is the part that I don't enjoy as much. But mm-hmm. what about people that we are very uh, visual, like I said, out visual attracted to a game and we like the components, the minis and all the stuff, cards? Yeah. How, how can we mitigate that aspect with a print and play? And with that being said can you tell us about the equipment that you were going to talk? Because I know that if I, yeah. at least I would assume that if you want to have a nice print and play, that it will look awesome and it will develop the art and it will bring all that, that it was intentional on the game. If it was a uh, produ- uh, produced like properly, you have to have equipment. Yeah. You have to have good equipment. You have to have a nice printer. You have to probably a nice cutter, uh yeah. Neoprint yeah. printer, 3D printer i don't know what the hell like tell me about your 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 supplies yeah. your team your equipment and and the, rec- yeah. and the recommendation for uh, somebody that is very audiovisual needed
2: yeah 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 so great question right um so uh a lot of folks who aren't into print and play uh they might have that idea right that sure well, if I make the game myself, uh, or if it's a print-and-play copy, it's not going to be as visually appealing, not as satisfying in hand. Not, you know, the table presence isn't going to be as good. Um, and and uh, so what, what I say in response to that is the nice thing about print-and-play is you, uh, the crafter, you have control, 100% control over what materials you're going to use. And what um, you know, what what tools you're going to use, what techniques you're going to use, and um, so I would argue that uh, you you the crafter actually have more control. I'll give you an example. Um, there's a game that was released recently that I'm enjoying called uh, Terraforming Mars: Ares Expedition. I don't know if you've had a yeah, chance yeah. To play it played yet. Yeah, yeah.
0: It's actually on sale on Target, and it's been a lot of. You know, people talking about yeah. it like, "Why is in Target?" The same with uh, yeah. Fireball Island, which I don't know. I don't know if that one can, can be played solo, but I just pulled the trigger recently because everybody was like, "It's thirty dollars, the Kickstarter version on Target, get it right now." And I got it. I don't. I know it's an old game. It's from Restoration Games. Yeah. I don't know anything about the game, but I was like, "Fear of missing <laughs> out." Let me buy it right now. <laughs>
2: so I was able to. I, I saw it also at my local Target, but I was able to resist getting Fireball Island, but. I was very excited to pick up the retail version of um Ares expedition okay and my understanding because there's on on bgg there's a there's a side by side comparison of uh, here's the retail version component and here's the Kickstarter version component yeah. and by and large it's pretty much on par on par. The biggest difference is that the retail version has very thin player boards mm-hmm. made out of cardstock and it's floppy and it's, it's just, you know, very cheap, cheap. It feels cheap. Yeah. Whereas the Kickstarter version, uh, you have dual layer player boards with the insets, you know, the cutouts so that yeah. when you put the cube in there, there's a, there's a, there's a tunnel for, there's a channel for it, you know? So, um, and so I was very dissatisfied with the floppy, uh, very thin, player boards in my retail copy of Ares Expedition. Okay. But I happen, I happen to have a Cricut um, cutting machine, and I know how to use it now. It took a couple of years to figure it out, and I was able to make my own dual-layer player board. Um, <laughs> so I don't need to have foam, fear of missing out of the Kickstarter version with the, the nice dual-layer player boards because I manufactured my own. Now, that said... Um, you, as the crafter, have to be willing to put in the time and the work and the, um, you know, just research to be able to get, like you say, the the proper equipment and the proper no- supplies and also the knowledge of the techniques to be able to do something like this. Um, like I say, I've been in the print and play, you know, kind of hobby since early 2018. So about three plus years now. And, um, so, you know, I've developed, I, I, like I said earlier, I've experimented with so many different tools and techniques and whatever that, uh, at this point, if I see a new print and play game and I say, I'm going to make it, I can pretty much make it no matter what. Wow. Um, but that, but that's because of the, all of the experience, you know what sure. I mean? And so I, I don't want, like folks who are listening who are just starting in the print and play to get intimidated or to think that you need to get to, you know, an elite, an elite level, you can always start, just start small. You know, there's many, many print and play games that are just nine cards, 18 cards, great to practice on, get your feet wet. And then you slowly start to work your way up to bigger and bigger and more ambitious builds. You know what I mean? Yeah. Um, just to quickly answer, so you need you need to have some good, you need a good cutting. Uh, I use a Fiskars uh, shortcut uh, paper trimmer to cut all of my cards, which are laminated. So the, the technique that I use is I laminate my print and play cards. I print with an HP OfficeJet Pro 9018 printer that I got from Costco for about 199
1: mm-hmm.
2: um, And I have the HP instant ink subscription so my print my ink isn't uh, i'm not spending a fortune on ink um and uh i laminate and then i cut my cards out using a paper trimmer and um, i can send you links to all of this stuff and i can also send you links to tutorial videos i have on youtube that kind of show my method
0: that will be nice um, yeah and that way we can post uh, post it as well on yeah. the footnotes of the episode yeah
2: yeah um let's see um to be able to make tokens. So the other thing about <laughs> things we take <laughs> now, for now, now we're things going we...
0: very immersive. Now we're going in the very immersive way.
2: So, so the funny thing is, if you are a regular board gamer and you are punching out your game and you're punching out your sheets of tokens, right? Yeah. And in general, the tokens are the most ignored part, the most taken for granted part of a game. You know, they mm-hmm. sit there, you use them, you move them around on the table, whatever. But think about it from a print and play standpoint. How are you actually going to make a circle token?
0: I have no idea. With,
2: if you don't have... Right, so you need <laughs> you need a some type of circle punch or some type of arch punch or whatever. So, so these are all things that um, making tokens is actually a more advanced skill of print and play. Um, <laughs> and these are things that you have to be in the hobby a little while and you have to like Learn and and try things out. I, I, you know, obviously, it's a very deep topic. I could keep talking about it, but I will, you know, put a pause right there <laughs> because I don't want to take too much time. <laughs> now, quick
0: question. It seems like, and just uh, tell me, I guess yes or no. It seems like you enjoy from the hobby. You probably enjoy more the crafting aspect of a solo game than actually playing the solo game. Am I correct? I mean. Or 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 you think it's so, the same level of enjoyment? I, I think it's, I
2: mean. it has to be. It has to be a little of both, uh-huh. you know. Uh, but there definitely are people in the print and play hobby who, you know, like they'll complain in my group in the print and play hideaway. They'll say, "I crafted six games this week, but I didn't play anything." <laughs> you know what I mean? <laughs> um, and and uh, you know, uh, so definitely there's there's a there's a it's a dual hobby, right? And uh-huh. I, I think of it as because you could enjoy and really get satisfaction out of building something yourself with your own two hands. Yeah. And it's handcrafted. And like I said earlier, the feeling like you controlled all of the, like how it comes out, you you know, if you want it to be really thick, add another layer of cardboard in there, you know? So so there, there, there's a lot of things that, that about the hobby that can really satisfy you just from the crafting element. Yeah. And then from the playing element, I, I tell people sometimes, there's no other better feeling of satisfaction than playing a game with your family, say. And the you know few times that I actually get a chance to play with my family, and they're playing it, and then they have no idea that it's print and play. And then when I tell them, oh, by the way, this game that you just played and enjoyed that looks like a retail purchase game, I made everything you see there. And they're like, what? what? You know, so, Yeah. <laughs> It's very, it's, it's really satisfying, you know?
0: Yeah. Okay. Marty, <laughs> let's keep talking about your crafting. Let's keep talking about, because I have many, many questions for you about, uh, your podcast as well right now, which is Solo Soros. I want I want I want you to tell us a little bit more about it, but before we keep going, okay. let's go with your number three, the number three print All and right. play of your top five print and play ever.
2: All right. Uh, number three, I am going to select gate by Jason Glover. okay. Uh, Jason is a indie designer who ma- does his own art as well as his own game design and he has a very distinctive art style, which is a throwback to the very kind of distinct uh, fa- Dungeons and Dragons art from the 80s and 90s. So okay. uh, old school, old school uh, uh, Dungeons and Dragons artwork. Um, this is his art style, and it's very, very nice. And um, so, Gate is a tiny deck-building adventure uh, slash tower defense game. Again, it's a small design. It's got, uh, I would say, 60 cards total. Um, and essentially, you are uh, playing a small uh, village, and you are trying to you're, you're trying to fight off these waves of increasingly more powerful monsters and um, if they are able to break through the gates of the town and destroy all of your buildings then you lose the game um you know so it's a very cutthroat tight fast playing deck building game and i'm a i'm a fan of deck building games i am a i love deck building games of, of all types so
0: mm-hmm.
2: yeah that's my number three is uh, gate by jason glover
0: gate by jason glover now does that one, uh, I think that one I have seen it on the, like you mentioned, I don't know if you mentioned it, but on the Game Crafter, right? Is it the same one that you can see on Correct. the... Correct. Yeah, right? Yeah, I have seen like a lot of people Correct. been talking about it and it seems pretty cool, the art, now that you're mentioning, and it started to come to my mind, now you're mentioning like the old D&D kind of art. And and I think it's great. Really, yeah. Like there's actually a game that I uh, enjoy a lot because of the art and a lot of people don't like it. Actually, Tom Vassel uh, did a video where he was one of the main things... That he didn't like uh, is the the art, and I'm talking about uh, yeah. what is it called? The, oh man, I have it here. The Enter the Dungeon. Dark Castle. Enter the Dark Castle. Have you? Have yeah, it, yeah, like, yeah. Which is like kind of like a choose your own I'm, adventure, black and white cards and stuff, which I like because it seems like yeah. to me back to the you know old days when the choose your own adventure books, and I guess it kind of like relates also to the uh, role playing or D and D art from from the beginning so i think that's pretty right. cool and, and i'm happy to hear that you actually enjoy that type of art as well i don't know if you have played that game or not or if you have seen the art of the game or not no
2: i've seen the art of the game and i appreciate it i've not had a chance to play it yet mm-hmm. uh i thought actually you were going to mention dungeon De- dungeon degenerates
0: that one it's uh, another, one. another game <laughs> yeah now i haven't played that With, one uh, but but my good friend um uh oh, from not board gaming mark dainty uh, he actually ah. shared some pictures with me about the Dungeon Degenerate, and it was pretty, yeah. pretty cool art, you know. And but I haven't played the game. Yeah. Have you played it?
2: I've not played it, but uh, it's it's very polarizing. People either love the art or hate it. Yeah, There's no in between. <laughs> <laughs> I
0: know. Okay, now as I was saying, like I want before we change the subject, then we were talking about the print and play equipment. Just very eyeballing, very briefly how much do you think in American dollars a person if they want to jump into print and play like let's say I'm like you don't know you you know what martin I really want to jump into print and play I want to invest in that way I can get a decent equipment to start to print my tokens to start to print uh you know all the all the p- paper to the uh, laminator I mean why not a 3d printer to print some minis over there like how much will you think somebody will need in an American dollars? Once again, we are in July yeah. 16, twenty twenty-one. In you know the time yeah. of the recording, how much do you think Derek will have to spend in order to go into the print and play hobby in That's a, a decent great way?
2: Um, so I will say this: Don't do what I did. Okay, <laughs> <laughs> because I, I it, it, I look back on what I did and uh, or how uh, my, my journey and um, I learned a lot, but I also, honestly, if I look back on it, spent way more money than I should have on just that various print and play supplies and equipment that I don't even use anymore mm-hmm. for uh, you know, my current techniques. But, you know, on the on the other hand, I don't know that I would have gathered the, the experience to land on my current techniques if I hadn't done so much exploring and so much trying and failing uh-huh. <laughs> and learning from those mistakes. So but um, I'm a big fan of, you know what, don't be in a hurry. Um, you can get into print and play with a pair of scissors and some cardstock and a printer that's that's really it oh and some card sleeves because Mm -hmm. the 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 most basic way to make cards is just print them on you know some nice paper pair them with an old playing card or an old magic card commons and then slide them into a card sleeve and then you've already got a playable game and that that you don't have to spend a lot of money and then uh if you're ready to go to the next level Ask around first, or you know, join, say, my Facebook group, Martin's Print and Play Hideaway. There you go. Where people are sharing all of their different techniques, um, and and you know, before you start buying just all different crazy equipment and whatever, like I did. Yeah. <laughs> that I said, a lot of this stuff is just sitting here gathering dust because um, the more that you do, the more that you craft, the more that you kind of just specialize in these are the techniques that really work are the best bang for buck and then i don't have to do those other techniques anymore yeah um and i think that there's so there's really no substitute for just taking it slow trying you know and and then building gradually on top of the previous thing so in terms of money i've spent a lot of money (laughs) (laughs) um over over the years and like i say don't do what i did you can start small like i say with just a pair of scissors a printer um, you can even get an eco tank if you want to save on ink, or do what I do—the HP Instant Ink subscription—and um, uh, maybe spend like twenty-five, thirty dollars on a nice paper trimmer uh, to start if you want to get a jump start there. If you want to get into making tokens, maybe spend um, twenty bucks, 20, 25 bucks on a nice uh, uh, circle punch, um, and then that's a, that's already a pretty good um, you know starting set. Yeah. For uh for, for getting into it.
0: Now now that we're gonna change the subject, I wanna know more about Solosaurus because Okay, I, like I was mentioning, I uh you know, Solosaurus has been on air even before 2018, which uh, I remember that's when yeah. I started my uh my podcast with Solo BG Podcast, right? Uh, and I remember going to work, which I work in a hospital, um, you know, I used to start for for to look for uh solo board gaming podcast and I found Solosaurus. And I actually started to enjoy it because, uh, you know, uh, Brandon Voice, and I remember, I'm, I really apologize, I'm very bad with names, but the other person that was on the show as well. Um yeah. Carter. Carter, yeah. They had a yeah. very smooth <laughs> uh, type of voice. And their conversations were very smooth and actually very relaxing. But at the same time, A, it was about the hobby and they used to talk about games and what did they like about the game and so on and so forth. Like most, you know, a lot of podcasts over there, they do the same. But then suddenly there was an episode (laughs) when they say like, you know what? We're done with the podcast and we're handing the podcast over. And then, of course, the podcast took like a whole, in my opinion, right? A whole turn in a positive way. Not, I'm not saying that which one was better or 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 or, or something like that. Yeah. I'm saying that it just it feels different. Suddenly, you have this energy different. on it that you know is changing <laughs> the things in a good way, uh, in a different way. And and now hashtag blame Martin G is there. So I want to know <laughs> how how do you start in the podcast, and also after after you finish yeah. telling us that, I want to know also of the origins of hashtag blame Martin G because. <laughs> it, at, at some point, it was trending topic. <laughs> it was a trending topic yeah. almost in Twitter. So I want to know about yeah. it, too. Yeah.
2: Yeah. Okay. Yeah, no, absolutely. Um, so I also was a fan of the Brandon and Carter version of Solosaurus. Yeah. Um, I first listened, I think it was their episode on Root, mm-hmm. and I wasn't interested in Root because I'm not really a fan of um, skirmish-type games or miniature-type games, okay. you know, but... I got sucked in because they the episode was talking about comparing the 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 native solo mode that shipped with the game I think it's called the mechanical marquis yeah. versus what was then a fan-made solo mode called the better bot project yeah. which has since been adopted as the official solo mode because the Cole Worley the designer um you know, kind of uh, acknowledge that Better Bot project was a better and, and more satisfying solo experience than the one that they had made. And I think now um, now
0: it's called the Clockwork Expansion, right? We're talking about the same, right? Yeah. Yeah. yeah right, right, okay. right. Okay.
2: But I learned all of that from listening to Brandon and Carter and listening to Solo SoloSaurus and just the, the um, incredible amount of deep research that they had done into the subject. And I'm like, wow... I, you know, because I've heard, I've listened to a lot of other podcasts mm-hmm. in the game. I won't mention, but, you know, it's just basically just people without any research, just kind of talking off the top of their heads and then laughing at in jokes and whatever. And that may be fine for for a lot of people, but for me, like, I wanted more. Sure. And so when I first listened to Solosaurus, I'm like, whoa, these people really know their stuff and they go deep. That was the thing that, um, that, uh, really made solo source different and distinct for me. And so I was a fan, started listening to it, you know, pretty regularly. And then I think it was last year out of the blue, Brandon, uh, messages me on Facebook messenger and, you know, we had like, you know, interacted on the Facebook, but we weren't really that, you know, close. Yeah. And then he explains, Hey, uh we are having changes in our lives uh Brandon's you know uh, work uh, stuff is getting more intense and Carter's having a baby so big change in their life as well mm-hmm. and so we can't keep up with the demands of the podcast anymore and we fig figured rather than just let it you know uh f- fade away you know they figured we've already built up an audience we've already built up were members of the Dice Tower network and all this stuff. Yeah. Um they were thinking about like they were basically asking me, do you want to take it over? And <laughs> I'm like it was an out of body experience for me. It was like I'm a fan of your show <laughs> and now you're asking me to to take the show over. Yeah. And Brandon was like I will if you say yes, I will hand everything to you, Martin. All the keys to the accounts, the Libsyn, the the, the the Instagram, the, you know, everything. And I'm like, this is cr- crazy. Yeah. And I'm like, yes, I'm so honored. And, and so once we said yes. And the other thing was completely independent of Solosaurus and, and what Brandon and I were talking about. I had been talking to Michael Eckenfels, who was somebody, again, that I had met through the um sure. the, the Facebook groups. And we had been kicking around the idea of making our own solo podcast for about a year. Mm-hmm. But we could never really land on what was going to be our, our unique concept or our hook or whatever. Mm-hmm. So when I, I got this offer from Brandon, I turn around to Michael and I say, you'll never guess what just happened. <laughs> and, and I laid it out to Michael, hey, they're handing this to us on a silver platter and Brandon is giving us complete freedom to do it with it as we want. Like he said, you don't have to maintain anything that Carter and I started. Like this is now going to be your show Mm -hmm. and you can do it as you will. And so Michael and I, you know, long story short, we took it over. We had a period of two shows. Uh, I think they were episodes 68 and 69 where, uh, in one, uh, I, uh, partnered with Brandon, and we reviewed um, Arkham Horror, the card game, mm-hmm. and then the following episode, all four of us, so the the two original hosts and then the two upstart yeah. new hosts got together, and we did a Mage Knight um, review, mm-hmm. uh, so that was like an epic, epic Mage Knight review, where three of us didn't really like it, and only Brandon came out <laughs> saying it was one of my favorite games of all time, so... <laughs>
0: <laughs> so you're telling me that you yeah. don't like Mage Knight?
2: I don't really like Mage Knight. I don't. Um, no. So what, one one thing that I've had to um, kind of acknowledge about myself is that I'm I get intimidated by super heavy games. Okay. Um, so my my um, you know comfort zone in terms of BGG complexity rating is high two. So maybe two point eight to three point five. That's the range that I like to play in. Okay. Um if it's above that, I, get, I start to get it's it's hard, you it's know, hard. And, and uh my my playtime is so limited that if a game is just too much to wrap my head around, I feel I don't feel satisfied. Sure. So yeah. Yeah, Mage Knight isn't doing it for me, sadly. No? That's surprising,
0: <laughs> you know, because I almost feel like Mage Knight it's almost like a, in my opinion, right, like a must-have for every solo gamer. And I'm pretty sure like a bunch of solo gamers or mostly solo gamers own that game. But it's crazy yeah. to see like one of the, uh, you know, main, uh, char- I guess, characters from the community, in this case, you, uh, you know, that doesn't yeah. like BenchNet, but hey, oh. I, guess, I guess, you know, it, it's it's okay. I, I mean, <laughs> it's for every. It,
2: if we were to look at, like, say, the top 10 solo games of the last few years, I... I... I could almost guarantee you that I'm not going to like half of them or more than half. <laughs>
0: what, what, what about yeah. the, what about the Spirit Island? Because the only reason I ask yeah, you is no. because I I played the game but didn't love it, and I feel bad because yeah. everybody loves it. But I'm like, yeah. What about I, you?
2: I, I felt the same way. I played Spirit Island. I played one Spirit, uh, the the one with the lightning, the easiest one. Mm-hmm. Um, and I was like, eh, you know, I did <laughs> I didn't like the theme. I didn't like the, it just wasn't a great time for me. You know what I mean? And whenever I tell that to people, they're like, What? How dare you? This is blasphemy. And I'm like, No, you
0: know, it's just personal preference. Yeah, you you just don't like the game. And it it I I like a bunch of
2: games. Yeah, I like a bunch of games that other people don't like. And I think that's fine. You know, like, um, I'm not going to rant about this, but, you know, there's there's a certain kind of groupthink that that kind of goes on in in the solo board in the board gaming community where it's like everybody's got to like this game and i'm like eh, no you know yeah. people are allowed to not like whatever other people a lot of other people like
0: <laughs> yeah no, and it happens to me with my gaming group which uh, uh you know i started with my good friend Caleb Wiles which i haven't I have I the last episode as it was with him um and um you know we both started in the hobby well he started me in the hobby better say and everything and we both started with cooperative games. And there's a lot of games that he likes that I don't like mm-hmm. at all. And there's a lot of games that I like yeah. that is the same thing. So I guess that's a good point. You know, yeah. sometimes it's it's, it's it's cool and it's okay not to like certain game and for other people to go crazy for it. I mean, I guess that's one of the beauties of the hobby. Now, before we go yeah. into the story of hashtag blame Martin G, let's go into your number two. <laughs> number two of uh, print and play games.
2: My number two print-and-play game is called Deep Space D6. Oh, yeah. Uh, This this has been available and has gone Kickstarter, but it's very rare now. Mm -hmm. But before it went to Kickstarter, it started life in 2015 as a pure print-and-play game, Mm -hmm. and it is still available as a pure print-and-play game. Now, you don't get access to all of the ships and the campaign mode and the whatever that you get with the Kickstarter version, but... Uh, there's a lot of fan made content available on the board game geek file section for this game, so arguably and and there is a campaign available so arguably you could get uh, if you really like l- want to put the research in, you could create a version of a print and play version of this that's actually even deeper than uh, than the Kickstarter version. Um, but yeah, so uh, for those who don't know, Deep Space D6 is, um, uh, is a dice chucker and it's a dice allocation game. So you have a ship and you have different uh, parts of the ship. You've got engineering, you've got tactical or weapons, you've got um, command, you've got sick bay, and all these other sections. And then the dice represent your crew members. And then so the, each of the faces of the dice, depending on what comes up, that could be something that you can assign to your uh, shields or something that you assign to your weapons or something that you can assign to your command, and mm-hmm. then based on where you assign them, you can take actions in that turn so um it's a very straightforward and very simple mechanism, and then you have threats that are that are constantly besetting you. You've got external threats, you know uh, enemy spaceships, enemy motherships, meteor shower. Uh, you know, rogue planet, these types of things. And then you also have internal threats like uh, aliens could suddenly beam aboard your ship and take away your crew members and stuff yeah, like that. Yeah, so yeah. it gives you, it gives you very much of kind of like a Star Trek feel without actually being a Star Trek game. Yeah. Um, that said, uh, there was a gentleman and it's designed by a guy named Tony go mm-hmm. super nice guy. Um, and very generous. Like he's, he encourages all of the fan made, uh, you know, ships. And, uh, you know, he's, he says, Hey, if, community go nuts. If you want to add fan made content for my game, it, he loves it because yeah. he, he came from that, that community as well. So yeah, deep space D six by Tony go. That's my number two, uh, print play game.
0: Actually that one, I just kickstarted the, well, not just like probably a year, was it wasn't a year ago, a year and a half. The board game, yeah. the Deep, Deep Space D6, the board game which is supposed to have like some worker placement mechanism, mechanisms, I believe. You know which one I'm talking about, right? Like, it's, I don't remember the exact name, but it's like a, a better, well-produced, uh, I guess, mm-hmm. spirit of Deep Deep Space, Deep Deep Space D6, but now more like in a board game. And I believe we should receive that game this year, uh, the backers. So I'm looking forward to that one. That one I was lucky enough to get it on. I bought it on Gen Con. 2019, and I was yeah. able to get the the little box with the base game uh, and with the expansion, uh, which I'm pretty sure is in print and play as well. But that's a great game. Actually, I have to confess that that one I printed and played it myself, uh, mm-hmm. probably a little a, a year before I bought it, and I remember I hate the cutting all the little. You know, cards because I did it just the old way with scissors <laughs> and whatever, and at that point I was like, I'm done with print and play I mean it's just i I cannot manipulate too much with my fat fingers, so <laughs> I guess so it's not for me, <laughs> but hey, but I respect you know and and talking about print and plays, uh we haven't talked about this, but you also martin, do a very cool thing uh with games, which is i don't, if I, correct me if I'm wrong, but you retheme. I believe yeah. uh Mar- some of the Marvel Champions cards with uh
2: um with
0: DC I believe so, uh
2: no so I've not really done um like you know uh those types of I have rethemed about 15 games at this point Okay. Um, but not not so much like you know there's a whole community of um you know Marvel Champions but but we want DC characters in it yeah. and all that stuff. They they're really, really good at that. But I, I haven't done that stuff yet. But I have done uh so for example, have you heard of the game Friday by Freedom and Freeze?
0: Yeah, yeah, sure, sure. That's also like and that's a game that I always say like if you want to start into solo games, you should try that one. Yeah. Because that one is like yeah, definitely. fourteen dollars or something crazy like that. And it's super yeah. fun. It's super fun.
2: It's yeah, I agree with you. It's one of my favorites and I think it's a really great game design. Um but Bucket of honesty. I've never liked the artwork. Okay, uh, it's just not my thing. Um, so, and also, I like the movie The Martian, starring Matt Damon. Oh boy! Um, if you've ever seen yeah, that movie, yeah, yeah, yeah. And so, I took it upon myself to retheme Friday as The Martian, and. <laughs> Because because I think the theme is really, it really fits very, very well, Yeah. you know, because you've got Matt, Matt Damon's character who's trying to survive alone on Mars, mm-hmm. um, and then he's got to be able to, uh, you know, so, so <laughs> instead of uh, Robinson Crusoe trying to survive on a deserted island, we have lone spaceman Mark Watney trying to survive on Mars. And so um, that's just one of the 15 games that I have rethemed. You know, so um, that is that is definitely something I like to do for myself. Mm-hmm. Now, I should clarify, I don't sell these and I don't distribute. If I don't own the graphics, yeah, uh, the artwork, then uh, I just don't think it's cool to just make a retheme and then re- release it. So, mm-hmm. as much as possible, I try to get the permission of the original game designer, and if it's a published game, the publisher. Yeah, and I want to get their consent. To make a free print and play version, mm-hmm. um, and if they say no, sometimes they say or they don't even answer. So like, um, I made a retheme of. Uh, are you familiar with Blitzkrieg by Paolo Mori? Uh, you that's, know uh, World War Two in twenty minutes, and that's the one solo game, is designed by. That's
0: yeah. one game. That's one game that I've been looking forward to get a copy on my hands, and it's, it's hard. so hard. It's so. It's hard, hard to find. Yeah.
2: I was lucky. Game nerds had two copies that showed up and I'm just like, I got one, (laughs) but, um, uh, but, but, you know, I am not much of a war gamer, uh, but I really wanted it to, I really wanted it to be star Wars. So I rethemed it to be, uh, called Sith Krieg. Uh, and I made it, uh, rebels versus, uh, empire. Um, and I emailed Paulo, a geek mailed Paulo Mori to ask his permission if I could post my print and play re-theme. Sadly, he never responded and that's fine. You know, Um, I guess he just wasn't into it or whatever. So I, because he never responded to me, then I never posted the files to be available. So those types of things. But But yeah, I I love to re-theme games.
0: I don't know until which point, I know we're talking here about about a moral issue and an ethical issue more than anything else. Because let's say... Let's say let's say Paulo Mori says, like, okay, you know what? I mean Martin, you're you're fine, you can post it, I don't care. Like if you post it for free for anybody to download, I mean, of course we know that you you're not owning the copyright permission from a Star Wars or anything like that. But I don't know until which point yeah. it's actually it's actually illegal or unethical since it's kind of free. You know what I'm saying? Like and, and since since it's for like including like we're we're talking about a niche before. Like the niche of solo board gaming, and then you go into the more right. smaller niche of print and play. I think it's more in a way of like, hey, this is cool and more in a positive way versus something you know I guess unethical or 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 illegal, I guess that's a strong a strong word uh from right. by doing it, right, don't you think i mean but i i get I get at the same time that that is very nice so, from you to asking in this case for example Paolo Mori, like, hey, are you okay with this?" <laughs> Now, the other yeah. way is like amazing listeners, if you want to play these amazing games that Martin is describing, that I now I want to play that Star Wars <laughs> version of Blitzkrieg. I mean you will have to <laughs> go to all the way to the to the uh West Coast and try to go to Martin's house and you know,
2: <laughs> <You'll> <laughs> play have with to, you. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. So that's a it's a great question, right? Like um without getting too much deeply into it, I like to think of it as it is a fan made tribute
0: yeah, of your game. Exactly.
2: And 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 somebody kind of uh, reversed the question on me because I've designed a couple of print, free print and play games that are actually posted on Board Game Geek. Mm-hmm. Um, and they asked me, Martin, if somebody were to retheme a game that you had designed, uh, would you? How would you feel about that? And I had to think about that, and I, f- I said, I would feel honored because somebody yeah. liked my game so much, or was you know so impressed by it that they wanted to put in the work to retheme it. Yeah. um i i would i would be all about that just in the same way that tony go of D- deep space d6 yeah. encourages all of the fan made stuff around his stuff um then i you know i'd be encouraging but that said if somebody then rethemed my game and then started selling it that's yeah. a problem you know so yeah. it, it's it's a, it's a slippery slope definitely um and you have to like be very careful about how you go about it um the other thing I'll say is obviously if you make a retheme you know, there's so many re-themes of other games to Star Wars or Pokemon or mm-hmm. DC or Marvel or whatever, and um, you just have to be careful about that because, generally speaking, they won't the the rights holders won't complain, uh, and they'll just let you do it if, if especially if it's free print and play, you mm-hmm. know. Um, but sometimes, rarely, uh, the rights holders have responded uh, and. Told people, hey, you got to take that down. Yeah. There's a couple of examples of that. There was a, there was a Harry Potter version of um, uh, love letter, I think. No, 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 no. Um, what is that? That secret Hitler. Secret Hitler. Oh they yeah. They made that yeah. secret, mm-hmm. secret, secret uh, Voldemort. Mm-hmm. And uh, Warner Brothers reached out to the person who posted those files and said, no, you've got to take them down. What? Um, those types of things.
0: Yeah. <laughs> That's crazy. How Warner Brothers is going to look into the solo... I mean, not solo gaming niche in this case, because, of course, this is like a social deduction game. Well, how are they going to look into our small niche of hobby nerds here? (laughs) I know.
2: I know. See, so we we have that kind of reaction. Like, we're not hurting anybody by doing it. but, Uh But it also drives home the idea that it's really up to the rights holder how they choose to respond to it. Sure. And... And and a lot of these companies, they can just threaten litigation, and you know, we the little guy who can't afford to pay lawyers, we're just like, yeah, I'll, I'll just take it down. Sorry, you know what I mean? Like I'm not I'm not gonna go to court with you yeah. over this, and and you can crush me like a bug underfoot. So yeah. you know, so
0: I mean, yeah, and I get it when it happened with Kickstarters. You know, sometimes you have Kickstarters, like for example, Overboss, uh, that was a game by Brotherwise Games that I backed. And that was a game that they changed the name and they it was Overlord, it was called before. But apparently there's a movie that came out not too long ago about zombies and, and war and Nazis and all the stuff, which well, that's what I sometimes I like to watch weird movies like that one. Anyway, uh apparently there were some copyright issues with A, we cannot call it Overlord anymore, now it's our boss. Most recently by Trident Noir, uh from France, a publisher from France, with V Commandos. They have to change mm. the name. Now it's not V Commandos wow. anymore. It's V Sabotage. Oh wow! Because something crazy wow. with copyright. So, so I guess I guess what you're mentioning is right. But come on, Martin. I mean, we're 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 the we're the print and play <laughs> solo board gamers. You know niche that yeah. we're not trying to harm anybody. Yeah. It's crazy. Anyway, number one, yeah. Martin. Number one, the best yes. one, the best print and play ever. Right. The one that. You invest your passion, your love, your dedication, printing, and most importantly, yep. every time you play, it's like, man, this is a blast. I want to put the home theater behind me, crank it all up, and <laughs> let myself immerse, let myself lose. You're like, wife, I'm not available for five hours at least because I'm going to be lost in this fantastic universe. What is your number yep. one printing play?
2: I have it. It's perfect. Uh, my number one print-and-play game is a game called Agent Decker. Okay. And this is a game that came out. It's designed by Manuel Correa. Manuel Correa, It came okay. out in 20, 2015.
1: Mm-hmm.
2: was the first time that he uh, he submitted it for the the Solitaire print-and-play game design contest on BoardGameGeek, and he came in second. Okay. Um, basically, this is a solitaire deck-building game. And the theme is what really first attracted me to the game because you play. It's basically Metal Gear Solid, oh, but nice, in nice, card. Nice. It, it's card form. So okay. you're a you're an agent, and you're trying to do a covert uh, infiltration of this base. And you have a line of various obstacles that you have to either. You have two options. You could knock it out. Uh, if you knock it out, um, basically you flip it over, and it doesn't. Uh, raise your alert level, um, or you could um, acquire it, and it becomes an addition to your deck. Now, this is only a 54-card deck builder, so it's very, very tight, and it's also mission-based. So each mission, you, there's a certain um, l- uh, goal that you have to achieve, okay, um, and you have to be able to do that with the, uh, with the cards that you have. Okay. So it's a very tense game. It's really well-designed. And I have made so many fan-made things for this game. I made uh, two versions of a of a player aid for it. I've made two different versions of a play mat for it. You know, <laughs> tournament size play mat, 24 by 14. Um, there's there's different. I've I've made multiple versions of the print and play because there was an original art version and then there was a uh, version made. Uh, uh, with nicer art by uh, Pavel Niziolek, um, okay. because Manuel then went on after Agent Decker. He kind of tweaked the formula for the game called Super Hot, which okay. I don't know if you're familiar with it, but that's a deck-building game. But it's based on that uh, video game where it's kind of like Bullet Time. You know what I mean? Okay, yeah, yeah. Um, but the artist of uh, Super Hot also. D- enhanced the artwork for the original Agent Decker game. Um, And then they had a Kickstarter for Blight Chronicles Agent Decker, which was supposed to be the kind of ultimate, you know, Agent Decker ultimate version. And that was the first Kickstarter that I ever backed. And sadly, it was very delayed, and it took a year and a half for me to finally get my copy. And the other sad thing is that, and I don't know if you've experienced this, where you back a, a Kickstarter, it takes so long to get to you that, you as a gamer, you've evolved and you're no longer interested in the thing that you originally packed. you know what I mean? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, so that's that's what happened there. And also, uh, sadly, it just was not a very... Even though I love almost all deck-building games, they added so many extra mechanisms um that it became a more more of a a chore to play and even just like you know it, it just became like too much yeah. they added too much too many ingredients into the pot and one of the beautiful things about agent decker is how straightforward and how just you know tight it is so yeah. um anyway yeah my number 1 Print and play game, Agent Decker. Agent Decker. If you De- like solitaire deck building games, that is that is an amazing game.
0: Okay. Now, now that we finished with your number one, I want really quick, don't worry about reviews or anything like that, or or description. Really quick, I want to I wanted to know the top your top three games ever that are not print and play. With that being said, it could be Ooh, a Kickstarter, that's it could a hard be one. it could be Eldritch Horror, which I also love. You like those kinds of games. Just tell me right now the ones that you think you will take to a desert island, those three, yeah. you know, uh, Kickstarters yeah. or Retail that you will take there and that you will love to death.
2: Ooh, that's hard, man. Okay. These are – it's hard because Eldritch Horror for many years was in my top five, but mm-hmm. – Nowadays, I feel like I don't have the time to play it anymore because every time I put it on the table, it takes hours and hours but you you
0: will have have you will thing. have time because you will be like you know by yourself on an island, so don't... <laughs> time is not an issue right. anymore my friend
2: all right here we go uh my top three I have to say, lost ruins of Arnak, which just came out last year fantastic is my number game. Three.
0: fantastic game it's, it's great. great it's, it's
2: great. really great. It's, it's great the the base game is great. the mini expansion that they came out print and play expansion that came out the the extra difficulty uh solo AI that they released and then they started uh, coming out with a campaign mm-hmm. uh, that they've just released and they've just announced uh full blown expansion with expedition leaders yeah. coming soon so uh check games international. They didn't just release the game. They have put a. They've obviously got a lot of love and ongoing development to yeah. enhance our enjoyment of this game. So yeah. it is, a, and and it just it beautiful artwork. I mean, just gore, ridiculously gorgeous it's artwork. Beautiful. And it's... and 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 even though it's not as as heavy of a solo game, I think it's only about two point seven or two point eight complexity on BGG. Um, it's uh, it, there's something zen like about yeah. it. Whenever I play it. I, I just my mind just goes oh and then I do this but if I if I do if I convert this then I can do this extra thing yeah. and just that like those little like micro things that just you start out and you're like maybe I can only do three or four things and then all of a sudden you, without even realizing it you got to make twelve things you know yeah. what I mean like yeah just that so satisfying so that's my number three number two number two uh, is a game called and uh, it's, it, so this is called obsession. By Dan Halligan. Yeah, uh, I don't know if you're familiar with it, but a little bit. If ever you wanted, if ever you wanted a a board game version of Downton Abbey, and I love the show Downton Abbey. Okay, um, this is it. It is based in uh, Victorian England, and you get to play. You get to uh, run a house, a uh, great manor in, in Victorian England, and you are making improvements on your estate. On your, sp- you're holding events, sporting events, or You know, like you're hosting uh, breakfast parties or whatever, and you are managing your house staff, your butler, your under butler, your ladies maid, your valet. Um, It is a just a labor of love as an indie game design uh, from from a small boutique game company, and um, it is one of the most super thematic uh, games I have ever played. Obsession is my number 2 solo okay. game. I can't I'm obsessed with it. And then <laughs> my number 1 is a game called Darwin's Journey,
1: okay. which actually
2: hasn't been it hasn't it's a kick it, it went on Kickstarter, it hasn't fulfilled yet. Okay. Um, this is designed by the duo of uh, Simone Luciani yeah. and Nestor Mangoni. Mm-hmm. Um and it is if you like worker placement games where you know it's kind of like lost ruins arnak of arnak but taken to 11 because every practically every move you make on your turn unlocks another move and then you get into these crazy combos of just move after move after move after move and then you get to score massive amounts of points on every turn and there's you know like you know point salad games where there's like 10 different ways to score. Yeah. This one is more like, it feels like there's 50 different ways to score. And yeah. so, uh, you know what? I I just love it. I made an, my own, I, while I'm waiting for my pledge to arrive, I made my own print and play version of, of it. Of course. Just so that I can enjoy this game. <laughs> of course. Yeah. <laughs> so yeah. So Darwin's Journey is my current number one um, uh, solo game.
0: I guess yeah. the, the nice thing of being Martin G is that uh, if you if you back a Kickstarter you don't have to wait like a whole year you you, pro- to- <laughs> you probably are the ones that you get you get the pledge with the files access in that way you can print it you can play it and yeah. then when you get the Kickstarter well you can decide at that point should I open it or should I just keep it in shrink and sell it and you know right now because that's the best time to se- that's the best time to sell when people start to get their their back their their uh, you know their Kickstarters yeah. because the, all the backers that didn't went a- into it is like they want it.
2: It's a beautiful game, too. Like, the components are look amazing. So yeah. that's one thing that, you know, even my print-and-play copy, no matter how much work I put into it, it's not going to match the, the the beauty of a well-designed and well-made, you know, uh, game. So, so l- that's that, yeah.
0: Lastly, Martin, the last question. The million-dollar question for the show, which I hope this will be the first of many, many, many episodes that you and I we will do. And I know this was right. this was a, a top five, uh, you know, kind of mechanic. Just as we're reaching episode number one hundred, and I wanted to have you on this episode just before we reach because I was trying to focus in solo board gamers specifically, especially on this last uh, set of episodes. And number hundred, of course, yes. is going to be with another uh, great celebrity around the solo board gaming universe. But anyway, uh, the question, the million dollar question, better said, why, how. When, hashtag blame Martin Yee. Because literally, oh like, God. if you go right now, if you're not on Facebook, but you go right now and you search hashtag blame Martin oh Ye, gosh. you will see all the trending topic crazy that was around there. Uh. And I see, like, people spending a lot of money on something and they will put hashtag blame Martin Ye. Yeah. Where did that come so from? So
2: there, there was just a time when I first, like, got involved with the Solo Board Gamers group where I'd be posting very enthusiastically about whatever game I happened to be um, obsessed about at the time. And I think it was around the time when um, Star Wars Outer Rim came out. So I think that was 2019 that that came out. Yeah. And I just, you know, kept on, you know, just updating. It's like, oh, you know, I I played Han Solo and I hired Chewbacca and (laughs) we got the Corellian Freighter and we did the Kessel Run and, you know, this and that. Like... And for me, that was great, you know. Yeah. It, uh, Yeah, and um, there's a guy, uh, his name is Chris. Oh, I'm forgetting his name now. But he actually started the hashtag uh, <laughs> in the Solo Board Gamers group. Um, and he started, you know, kind of... And it it, it, it caught fire. It, it just <laughs> got... It, it, people started using it. And people started blaming me for buying their own copies of Star Wars Outer Rim. And then... You know, I I I kind of just went along with the gag. Mm-hmm. And but as with many things on the internet, what starts out as a gag suddenly becomes <laughs> a real thing.
0: You, you ha- know what I mean? You, you so- have you have Dogecoin for example or or you know, all yeah. these cryptocurrencies already right now. So not so soon 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 you're gonna have your own cryptocurrency, my friend. Like you know, <laughs> I hope not. I don't even understand
2: crypto, so um, yeah. <laughs> so, so,
0: hey, it, hashtag blame Martin G went crazy, you know, and it's very, very fun to to see, as you mentioned, all the people posting about their new games and stuff, and they're like hashtag Blaine Martin G. But I, I also awesome. think I also think it's a beautiful thing and something that I'm pretty sure you're proud of uh, and you embrace it with a lot of love because those are the sparks, you know, that sometimes we see in this fantastic an amazing community and fantastic hobby yep. that you know bring some sort of like joy at the same time on the same time on yep. top of the joy of playing the adventures that we love to play so um with that being said martin i really want to thank you for the opportunity for the episode uh you know you and i we have you know talked through the um uh, facebook messenger and you have always been a fantastic guy and we with, no, with, with that said um uh, work where can, where can people follow you like I we were mentioned the Facebook uh, group uh, wh- yep. but what about other other ways of, of following you in other uh, social media
2: so yeah I have I run two Facebook groups one mm-hmm. is called Martin's print and play hideaway okay. uh, another one is called the cardboard comedy club so okay. if you want to just Get into really nerdy humor about board games and related topics. That's that's the Facebook group for you. Okay. Um, I have a I have a YouTube channel uh, called Martin is probably playing this wrong. <laughs> uh, so if you <clears throat> um, if you it, it, it's a mixture of uh, you know some playthroughs and some reviews and also a lot of print and play uh, tutorials. Okay. Um, in yeah, so. Those are the main ways. And of course, uh, the Solosaurus podcast, uh, Solosaurus Podcast at gmail.com. On Instagram, we are at Solosaurus Podcast. Uh, and we have a Facebook group. So just search for Solosaurus on Facebook and you'll find us. Um, yeah, so those are kind of like the, all the different. You know, it's it, it, sometimes it feels like a, a hydra, an eight-headed, yeah, seven, yeah, yeah, a seven-headed hydra. <laughs> so many different uh, things that we're doing.
0: All the ways that you can reach out to Martin. Once again, Martin, uh, thanks a lot. Once again, I hope this is the first of many, many adventures that you and I were going to share. Are you Are you going to any convention this year? Are you coming to GenCon or Origins or something like that?
2: I really enjoyed Origins 2019, which was my first one. Obviously, okay. we couldn't do 2020. Um, I would, I would love it if I could make uh, Origins this year. I've never been to Gen Con. I hear mm-hmm. that like Gen Con's like bigger and like yeah. less personal. Uh, so I, I don't know if I'm going to do that. But yeah, I might. If if anything, I might go to Origins.
0: Well, hopefully, we will see each other there and have. You know, a couple of of dice rolls and a couple of drinks. Why not? Uh, Martin, any any last words before we say goodbye?
2: I just want to say sincere thank you. I have had a real great time uh, just chatting with you and I am... You know, I too look forward to uh, more opportunities to hang out with you and talk about my favorite topics: solo games and print and play. <laughs> Sounds
0: fantastic! So there you go, friends. There you have it, Martin G in Solo BG Podcast. And you know, like always, many ways that you can support the show: following us on our social media, Solo BG Podcast, Instagram, Facebook, and Twitter. And like always, remember
1: for victory,
2: go tell your friends.
0: Till next time, see you through the speaker and at the tabletop.